again, no matter where we are, through the Holy Spirit, our Lord and Savior is always present with us. Amen? You have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at that passage and use that as our base text this morning, but we'll also look at a few other passages, so keep your Bibles open after we finish this verse. Living as foreigners in a strange land. Paul wanted us to under, or Peter wanted us to understand that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And that's what this passage here that Peter uh, has written is really telling us. He says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, now look what he says, as strangers and pilgrims, in other words, what is a stranger? A stranger is someone that's not where they're supposed to be. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conversation, conversation is a King James word for your lifestyle, the way you live. Have your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God on the day of visitation. Now Peter wrote to a scattered group of, of, of believers to encourage them that to, they needed to continue to live their life for Christ in the hostile world of which they were living. You know, I believe this world that we're in today is a very hostile world toward Christianity. You know, every, every other you know, a religion is protected by speech, I guess you might say. But when it comes to Christianity, you know, everyone is entitled to just bash Christianity. You try to bash Muslims and you're going to get yourself in trouble. You try to bash, you know, Hindus or whatever, you're going to get yourself in trouble. It is not the, quote, politically correct thing to do. But, folks, when it comes to Christianity, people can make as much fun of Christians as they want to. They can ridicule Christians all they want to, and nothing will be said. Now, as Peter wrote this letter, you know, it's both a word of encouragement and a word of warning you know, because of the hard times that was upon the Christians at that time. You know, as we look this morning, the key word is strangers, which sometimes is translated alien, is sometimes translated sojourners or even foreigners. You know, it describes those from another country who are, uh, are finding themselves now living in a country that does not belong to them. You know, they are resident aliens, if you please, you know, in a strange land. And Peter said that Christians are strangers residing on this earth whose home is somewhere else. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Peter is letting you know this world is not your home. You know, no matter what it is you're going through in life today, Peter wants us to understand that this is just temporary. You're a stranger in this world of which we live. You will never know what it's like to be a stranger in a foreign land until you visit a country, you know, a foreign country. You know, because what you find out when you visit a foreign country is you don't look like they do. 
If you visit a foreign country, you find out you real quick, you don't talk like they do. You don't think like they do. You know, you don't live like they live. They have a different set of values than what we have. They, they speak a language that you can't understand. They eat a food that, you know, you don't really even like sometimes. Look, you pick up the newspaper and you can't read it. You turn on the television and you can't make any sense of it. I remember the first time I was in a foreign country. You know, in 1972 was the first time I was in a foreign country. And as a 17-year-old kid who had never been out of the state of Texas, I found myself in Alangapo City, Philippines. Now, if you've never experienced Alangapo City in the Philippines, you haven't experienced life. All right? You haven't experienced life. Look, you know, Dorothy, it didn't take Dorothy long to realize that she was no longer in Kansas. It didn't take me long to realize I was no longer in Magnolia, Texas, okay, when I went to Alangapo City. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize this world is not my home, that this world is not where I want to live through eternity, this is, that, that this world cannot compare to what Jesus Christ went away over 2,000 years ago to prepare for me, one of his children, to prepare for you if you're one of his children. And let's break down this passage this morning and see just what Peter had in mind when he encouraged the people to live for Christ in a strange world. First of all, as a Christian, we are a stranger in this world of unbelievers. Look, you may look like they do on the outside. We all look like they do on the outside. But on the inside, folks, we're different. As children of God, we shouldn't act like they act. We shouldn't, you know, have the same customs as they have. We shouldn't have the same goals as they desire. We shouldn't participate in the deeds of darkness that this old world participates in. Yet in today's society, many times you can't see a difference in, in a child of God and a child of the world. You know, so many Christians now want to be chameleons. They want to kind of just blend in so they don't stand out. Let me tell you something. We should stand out in this darkened world. We're children of light. Jesus Christ said, shine your light in that world. Look, if you shine your light, you're going to stand out. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. In other words, though on the outside we may resemble them, folks, on the inside we are different. You know, the problem with so many Christians today is that we've been in this strange land for so long, we feel like we're a part of it. We feel like we're a part of it. You know, we, we have begun to think the way the world thinks. We begin to set the same goals that this world sets. We, be, we begin to participate in the same evil things that this world does. And we've, we've done it for so long that many have lost focus of who they really are as a child of God. They've done it for so long. They've lost focus of who they are in Jesus Christ. Listen, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And while passing through, folks, we cannot take our focus off of our real home, the place that Jesus Christ went away to prepare over 2,000 years ago. Look, because we are flesh, it is a natural, it's natural to feel comfortable living in this world. That's why sometimes we get to feeling comfortable because of the, the, the sinful flesh of ourselves. Look, prior to our coming to Christ, you know, we was of this world. 
and we walk according to the course of the world. But turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Yes, there was a time that we, we was a part of this world. There was a time that we, we, we walked according to the course of this world. But look what Paul had to say to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And you, he hath quickened. Now, I love that. You, he's talking about believers. He's writing this to the church. He's writing this to believers. He's writing this to you and I who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. He says, he's quickened you. Now, quicken, that word quicken has the idea of like when a person's heart stops and they, and they hook them to an AED and that AED just shocks that heart. And what's it do? It puts that heart back to beating again. And that's what it was with our spiritual being. Our spiritual man was dead to God. And when we invite Jesus Christ to come in our heart, it's like sticking an AED on that heart, and it just shocks it, it quickens it. No longer is it dead to God, now it's alive in Jesus Christ. He said, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time passed, now look at this, in time past, what he's talking about is prior to this quickening, prior to this coming to Christ. In times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, making reference there to Satan. The Bible's clear, Satan is the prince and power of this air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now look at verse 3, among whom also we all had had its past tense, our conversation. Now again, conversation, the King James word for lifestyle. So he said, among all of us, we had a lifestyle like that. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath as the others. Folks, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that old man, I mean, that old man can be overcome. Those old habits can be overcome. You know, those old desires can be overcome. Those old evil thoughts can be overcome. Because Paul's saying that's in the past. But God has quickened you. He's brought alive your spirit man in Jesus Christ. And there's more power in that spirit man of Jesus Christ than there is this prince and power of the air. Look, because, but because we have been born of the spirit of this world, you know, because, let me say that again, because we've been born again, you know, the spirit of this world should become strange to us. Those old habits you had prior to coming to Christ, they ought to be strange to you. You have the power to overcome them. I don't care what they are. Look, we shouldn't be comfortable while living in this world. It should be strange to us because we no longer share the values of this, this world. We have been separated from this world. Look, we should live different types of lives from those of this world as children of God. We should have different you know, laws, values, and customs of morality. But you know, a sad thing is, Many within our churches today, when it comes to morality, they see morality no different than the people of the world. 
Look, as children of light, our laws, our customs, our values, our set of standards should come from the word of God, not the philosophies of men. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Paul again writing to Christians in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 through 8. Look what Paul had to say. As ye therefore receive Christ Jesus Lord. What's he saying? Since that quickening that he talked about in Ephesians. Since you've been saved. Since you now have Jesus Christ in your heart. In your life. He says, because you've received Christ the Lord, walk in him. Yes, you have to live in this world, but Paul is saying, walk according to Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught. He's talking about being taught by the word of God here. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware. Beware, he says in verse 8, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Don't let the tradition of this world affect your walk with Jesus Christ. And yet so many people in our churches are doing that very thing. He goes on to say, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. Look. The world rejects God, the world rejects his ways, and this world seeks its own pleasures. You know how sad it is, but on television we can see promotion of adultery. We see promotion of premarital sex between people who aren't married. Sitcoms are full of insults of masculinity, promotion of homosexuality, and moral relativism. You know, the news tells us about murder within our streets. And rising of crime, it tells us of the cowards who hide in the dark to shoot our police officers. You know, we hear about abortions numbering in the millions. And some people who call themselves Christians don't even see a problem with that. I'm going to make a bold statement here. If you call yourself a Christian and you have no problem with abortion, you better go back to the cross. Because whatever you did there did not take. Look, we hear of wars and rumors of wars, and how glad I am, folks, that this world is not my home. We should have a different view of God than what the world has. Look, our faith is not merely in religion. It's not merely in religion that we're a part of. Rather, it's a lifelong service to the living God who we should place our complete trust within. Look, this world does not view God the way we do. John, catch up with me there, son. Okay, we should have a different view of God. Look, this world does not see God as Eliom, the creator of all this serious. This world does not view God as El Shaddai, the almighty God. This world does not view God as El Elohim, the everlasting God. This world does not view God as Adonai, my Lord and my master. This world does not view God as Elion, the most high God. This world has placed many gods before our God, Jehovah, and, and we as his people should not be comfortable with that. I remember a number of years ago when Barack Hussein Obama was our president and he made the bold statement, the United States of America is no longer a Christian nation, but a nation of Muslims, of Buddhists, and all of this. You know what he was saying as president of this nation? That God is no longer 
the forefront of the people of the United States of America. How sad. And look at the deep dive America has taken since the leader of our nation declared us to no longer be a Christian nation. How sad. But you know what? That's probably, well, not probably, it is the only thing I ever agreed with in the eight years of Barack Hussein Obama because I see America is no longer a Christian nation. Why? Because Christians do not stand up against the evil of this world. Again, we've become chameleons in order to not cause problems. We simply blend it in and allowed Satan to take over. Look, this world, for those who have become Christians, is a strange land that's simply our temporary dwelling. And in everything, it goes against who we are in Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing is we should live our time here on this earth with the fear of God manifested in our lives. You know, Peter said this also. If you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, he wasn't talking about fear in, you know, the world. He's talking about in fear of God, in respect of God. That's how we should live our lives. Look, we're called to separate ourselves from this strange land. We're called to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul and to live a life of reverence before God. Look, when Adam fell in the garden, you know, we fell with him. He brought on to all of humanity this, this sinful nature that we war against on a daily basis. Look, we're all born with a desire to please ourselves. I mean, that's the human nature within us. It's a desire to please ourselves, not God. Look, we, we want to fulfill our fleshly desires. We, we, we're sinful by nature. However, when you become a Christian, you have the Lord Jesus Christ living within you through His Holy Spirit. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new mind. You know, you now have the mind of Christ within you. You are no longer dead in your sins. You are no longer a slave to that sin. Therefore, you wage war against the sinful desires of your flesh. You're, you're called to abstain from those fleshly desires according to God's word. You know, God says that we're called out of this world to, to be sanctified, to be holy. You know, however, it's not always easy, but that's what God demands of us. Look, though the Lord is dwelling in you, and though you now have the mind of Christ, you still have that sinful nature at war against you. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Look again what Paul had to say about this war in between us. This, 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 this desire to do good, but yet we can't always do good. That's a war. That's a battle. Let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 15, and then skip down to verse 21. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do it. But what I hate to do, I do. Now, does that describe our life sometimes? 
You know, again, he said, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Why is that? Because of that struggle within us, because of that war within us. Because now, as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit of God in our life, but yet that old sinful nature is still there, tempting us and drawing us and, and, and wanting us to desire it. And the sad thing is, so many times, people give in to that desire rather than following the Lord. Let's read on, verse 21. Skip down to there. So I find this law at work. Paul is saying, you know, I don't always understand what I do because what I do, I don't want to do, and what I do, don't do, I do. He says, so here's, here's what is the conclusion I've come up with. I find this war, law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Brother Gerald's always telling me he's got a little demon on your left shoulder. That's where your demon is, isn't it, Brother Gerald? On my left shoulder. And the little angel's on his right shoulder. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Why, why in the inner being? Because that's where the Holy Spirit of God is. So in that inner being, he says, I delight in the law of God. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? He asks that question, and then he answers his question. Here's who will rescue me from that sinful nature. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who will rescue you from that, that inner nature, that, that fleshly nature, that human nature that is, is desiring you to do evil, yet that inner spirit is desiring you to good. Paul says, just focus on that inner spirit of God, and Jesus Christ will rescue you. Listen, in war, there's death. In war, there's usually two sides fighting against each other. That's what war is, two sides battling it out. You know, and each one wants to kill the other. Each one wants to destroy the other. Each one wants to conquer the other. That's what war is all about. And, and the war is only over when either one side gives up or is defeated by the other side. Now listen to me. As a child of God, that's what's happening in your life. That's what's happening. There is a war, Paul is saying here. And it's not going to be over until one side gives up or is defeated. Your sinful nature is at war with your regenerated soul. Your, your sinful nature wants to destroy you, and it wants to kill you. You know, it resists what is good. It resists what is righteous, and it resists what is holy in your life. But you can conquer your sinful flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, which is in your life. Now, the third and final thing is this. While here in this strange land, God wants us to live such good lives among these other believers, and trust me, it is hard to live a good life among the wickedness of this world. Now, again, that don't mean we cower down. That don't mean we act as chameleons so as to not cause trouble. That don't mean we watch what we say so as to be politically correct, because when we're politically correct, then we're blending in with the world, okay? But here's what he look what we got here. While in this strange land, God wants us to live such good lives among unbelievers that 
though they accuse us of doing wrong, that we may see, they may see our good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits. What did he say in our scripture text in verse 12? Having your conversation, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles. Now think about that. He said, having your lifestyle honest. You know, sometimes when you're honest, it offends people. You know, I, I'm one that if you ask me my opinion on something, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, my honesty may not be what you want to hear. And before I answer, I know my honesty is not going to be what you want to hear. And that's why usually I will ask somebody, are you asking my opinion and my advice? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Look, so what's he say here? Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. And the Gentiles there, he's referring to those who aren't Christians. Look, we have to be honest, folks, that abortion is murder. And it's an abomination before God. We have to be honest with this world that same-sex marriage is an abomination before God. We've got to be honest with this world, you know, that alcohol and drugs and prostitution and all this stuff is a sin before God. We've got to be honest. So just because we're told, you know, that God wants us to live good lives among uh, believers that they, you know, that they'll uh, glorify God, but he says through honesty, through honesty. Children of God shouldn't water down the truth just so it don't hurt feelings. If it's a sin against God, if it's violating the word of God, Paul is saying, live your life honest among unbelievers. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, because again, if you're honest, they're going to say, who are you to judge? We should never judge the person, whatever they're involved in. But we should let them know that the word of God has already judged their sin that they're involved in. And that is two different things, two different things. So he says, so that they may, by your good works, by being honest, they shall behold, glorify God in the day of his visitation. Look, there's many reasons God wants us to live good and holy lives while we're here in this foreign land and, 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 and bring glory to God. You see, living, holy living will benefit us where unholy living will bring much pain into our life as children of God. Look, here's the thing. Living a sexually uh, promiscuous life can lead to many diseases and even death. Doing drugs can land you in jail, or it will enslave you to that addiction. Being a drunk, being an alcoholic, can cost you your family, it can cost you your friends, it can cost you your life, it can cause you to lose everything that you have ever worked for in your life. But again, the most important reason for living a godly uh, life, a good and godly life in this strange world is that it brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ as we shine in this darkened world. 
me just conclude with a couple of things. Because the problem in this world is a spiritual one, the solution to the problem does not ride on the back of a donkey. It doesn't ride on the back of an elephant. I'm talking about the government. The government will not solve the problems that we have in the United States of America. It will not do it. And the reason is because it's a spiritual problem that is going on. That problem, that problem was taken care of on an old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. You know, as much as I love America, this is not my homeland. It's not my homeland. There are many of you here this morning who love this nation just as much as I do. You know, many of you here this morning, just like myself, served in the military. We fought for our nation. There are many of you here this morning who, just like me, would sign up again if I could. I wouldn't hesitate in a moment to sign up again if my nation called upon me. But the thing is, think about this. We do all of that for a nation that is not even our home. <laughs> Think about that. We do all of that for a world that is not even our home. Now stop and think about this. What if we were just as patriotic for our true homeland? And what is our true homeland? God's kingdom, heaven. What if we were just as patriotic for our true homeland as we are for this temporal place in which we're living. Think about that. All of us who was in the military, all of us who was in Vietnam, all of us who has fought in Iraq, wherever we have served our country, we've done it with pride, and we've done it for a country that's not even our world. What if we was that patriotic for the kingdom of God? What a difference we could make. Amen? Look, as children of God, we should be more focused on our heavenly homeland to the point that people will glorify God as a result of it. The Lord died on the cross to buy your redemption, not so you could serve yourself, not so that we could be prosperous in this world. Rather, he brought us, he bought us to be a holy people for himself. He, 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 we're his people, folks. And we're saved out of this world because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He wants to love you. He wants to have fellowship with you. And one day, he's going to return for you. He's going to come in the clouds, Paul told us in Thessalonians. He's going to come in the clouds. A trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive are going to be uh, caught up to be with the Lord forever what's he going to do he's going to take us out of this world that's not our home and take us to our heavenly homeland but the thing is that is the day when all things are going to be laid out in the open all your deeds all your thoughts all your desires all your motives are going to be laid out at that judgment seat of Christ the question we must consider is, how will I do on that day? Will 
everything I've done on this earth be wood, hay, and stubble and be burned up? Or will there be some gold, silver, and precious stones that make it through that judgment? Will my deeds glorify God? Will my life reflect his holiness that I was supposed to, you know, represent while I was a a foreigner in this strange land? Or when it's all laid out, will it show that I compromised in this strange land? Will it show that I adjusted my values in order to fit in this strange land? Will it show that my goals represented this strange land? Will it show that my principles were compromised in order to fit in this strange land? just to get along, just to blend in with a world that I'm not even a part of, that I'm not even a part of. Only you can answer that question. I have to answer for myself, and I have to live my life so when that day does come, I can look at the Lord and have him say to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You didn't compromise your deeds. You didn't compromise your thoughts. You didn't compromise your desires. You, you, you lived your life, you know, uh, you know uh, to where it brought honor and glory to the Father. You didn't compromise your values, your goals, your principles, just to get along, just to fit in. Fit in that world that's not even you, that you were the stranger in. So what about your life? You're here this morning and you know Christ is your personal Savior. What is it going to be like the day you stand before him? Are you compromising some things in your life just to get along? It'll be brought out that day. Is the old nature winning out in these battles that you face every day with the habits of your life that you know are not habits that God approves of? Is the old nature winning out you know, on these battles of, um, you know, immorality that you're facing on a daily basis? If it is, maybe it's because you don't have the Spirit of God within you. And you need to come to Him for salvation this morning. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we want to invite you to come during the invitation and let us, let us take you to the cross. Let us show you how you can have that Holy Spirit of God in your life to help you overcome these daily battles. If you're a child of God, but you say, you know what? That old nature's winning out on me on a regular basis. Maybe you need to fall out before God at this altar and ask him to to give you that strength, to let you tap into that strength you need to win those daily battles. Let's pray.